Aloha, Maui Nui. Aloha. Uh-oh, we got a mic issue there. How you doing, folks? <laughs> this is uh, episode 135. Uh, this is a big solar conversation here, the contested case hearings at the Maui Tech Park with uh, the PUC, the consumer advocate, the developer of this big uh, solar farm uh, called Interjects from Canada, and also the Pono Power Coalition. whole bunch of uh, kind of very in- uh, interesting people with some great uh, ideas and perspectives. We're going to get to hear from them today. Uh, Jason, what do you say, buddy? Uh, it's um, what are we what are we calling this? The NIMBY show. <laughs> the NIMBY. For anyone who doesn't know what NIMBY not, is, not in my a, backyard. <laughs> it's an acronym. It's actually a uh, yeah. It's 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 a term that's that's, that's we're seeing uh, being entered into the solar conversation across the country now, uh, and it's something that you know it's as it becomes possible to put in you know hundreds of acres of solar uh, panels, then okay, of course, people are going to start to have an opinion about where that goes. That makes sense. And, and you know, anywhere in the world, you probably would have that conversation, but especially here in Maui, where land is limited and we're going to be living next to it. So uh, yeah, this hey, could be the first... <laughs> What's that, Jay? This is a thing. You're gonna see it, so it's a thing. You're gonna see it. It's a you know. There's a lot going on, and and there are other solar. This is just one of, uh, I want to say about what was it about seven or eight solar systems that were approved throughout RFP phase one. I might remember the exact number right now, Jay. Uh, but yep. uh, throughout the three islands, and but that's, then. But that's only the beginning. We're into RFP phase two right now. There are going to be a huge number of projects going up, and and realistically, if we decide that we're going solar. Um, there are going to be fields of panels because the the amount of energy required by our lifestyle requires that you have that many panels. <laughs> we're going to have to no have around, yeah. there's no way around it. We're going to have to have solar panels. No get no getting around that. And then uh, I think there was something like 75 proposals received for RFP phase two. Uh, and, you know, I don't know how many projects that will amount to, but, uh, you know, one of the big questions that I kind of have in my mind as, as this case was unfolding in the last couple of days at the tech park is, is this the beginning of more of this kind of conversation? And are we going to see more of this over the course of the next few years while we're trying to hit, you know, uh, upwards of maybe 80% renewables in five-year period uh, in Maui County, right? So uh, also on the heels of that letter from Jeff Ubin of Value Act Capital talking about needing new leadership in succession planning for the executive uh, uh, executives of Hawaiian Electric uh, companies. Uh, in order to push things forward and kind of see this aggressive deployment. See, a lot of uh, interest parties of interest trying to kind of figure out how this is all going to take shape, guys. This is right in the middle of it. And, yeah, it, it's a critical balance that has to be attained, you know, and that's what this dance is about. It's trying to attain the balance that everyone's uh, not necessarily going to be happy with, but not as upset with, essentially. And accept. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. acceptable balance. Okay, so we're going to hear from a, a lot of folks today. Uh, we got Eddie Park of Interjex, uh, a little interview with him. We have a statement from the utility. We also have a call-in from Carol M. Barrows of the Pono Power Coalition. Uh, yeah, and uh, so we look forward to a great show, gentlemen. Should we get started? Absolutely. All right, here we go. Hey, folks, this is the Solar Coaster. We are renewable energy theme talk show right here in lovely Maui County. It can be found Fridays at 105 p.m. on Ko'oi, 1110 a.m. Also, some FM stations 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. www.solar-coaster.com is where you can listen live to us right now, uh, but also get all our old shows. So all of these things that we've been talking about over the years, if you're interested in a particular technology or service or something, I mean, chances are we talked about it uh, in the two and a half years worth of shows that are that are up there. Um, but most importantly, um, on every single page, there is a section for the mailing list or submit questions. And you could send your questions directly to us. If you can't call in, uh, you're listening to the show later on, a podcast or whatever, um, send your questions at solar-coaster.com. Uh, to us, and we'll be sure to try to get them on the air. Uh, like I said, podcasts, we have iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify. I think we all carry, they all carry the solar coaster, and you can do things like, hey, Siri, play my podcast, Solar Coaster, and it'll do it. Uh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Great sponsors out there that have kept the solar coaster on the tracks. We have a uh, local sponsorship section, Fairwinds Wealth Management, with Mr. Brian Thomas in the uh, studio today. Thank you for that, Brian. Uh, and then we also have Sundrum Solar, uh, who is doing some pretty amazing projects in Maui. We'll be learning more about that shortly. I have another mm-hmm. uh, local sponsor that is uh, just about to sign on. I'm going to keep that name under wraps for now. If you're a company that would like 
like to uh, be a part of our discussions or support this uh, this connection between energy and our life, then jump into the uh, Solar Coaster here as a sponsor. Give us a call uh, on 808-242-7800 is the call in line. You can reach us with that. Uh, hey, you know, in this local section here, uh, Brian, I know that we just did our show with you, the first kind of like full length show with you last week. That I thought was super cool. I had a lot of fun learning from, you know, your insights, kind of worked on some of that micro content we were sharing back and forth. We'll be sharing that on social shortly as well. Uh, but, you know, it was really a, a cool experience. And I know that you are, are very interested in kind of putting that th that stuff to the test. And I hear you have an offer. What, what, what do you think? Would it be, could you, if, if, if you, if, if someone calls you and then gets, uh, gets a hold of you and then gets this information from you and it doesn't like change their portfolio or give them some new insights, what will you give them? Like, uh, what do you want? Uh, well, uh, I, I guess essentially, if it if it doesn't, if I can't add value to someone, I'm going to say, hey, you're doing great, you know. But it's a rare experience. I've been in the business since '98 where I can't make an improvement and show them something. So, so uh, how about a, how about a, how about a $75 gift certificate to a uh, a local restaurant or something? Okay, done. Yeah, you I do would it? do that. Yeah, yeah. In okay. other words, I'll take that challenge. There and, you uh, go. So if you want to uh, dupe Brian and get a get a free certified uh, gift, just kidding. Well, just yeah. <laughs> essentially, show them something about your about your process, your portfolio, your overall financial picture, and add a lot of value to what you're doing. If I can't do that, wow. Based upon what they say, then I will get them a, a gift certificate to their favorite restaurant. I think we should limit that to the first caller or something like that. Right? I don't want you to go out there. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so yeah, in all in all seriousness, it was for me. It was an eye opening experience. And I found the content to just be fascinating, uh, and then really excited to you know to watch that kind of unfold. This new ESG world, uh, being able to participate in the ETFs, electronically traded funds, and see how to you know just protect or grow wealth. I mean, that was really the, the conversation. And and it's really powerful in the fact that it is a mechanism to enforce change and it's you voting with your dollars and your dollars are a proxy and are powerful to propel industries that you believe in and at the same time be rewarded for it you know yeah uh, just real quick the I, I just read this today actually but the energy sector which is it's fossil fuels uh, oil and natural gas the ETF is the lowest performing ETF of the last two years and down for four of the six years Wow so it's like Renewables are are doing. It was the number one sector, solar, uh, earlier this year. But it's like that's just coming on board, right? And so, you know, you look at these other companies, ExxonMobil and stuff like that. And some people say, well, they're not going to go out of business. But it's like, you are lagging big time. And if you make a change in your portfolio, and what we talked about was ESG, environmental, social, and governance, you can direct your dollars to have effect and reward good companies but then also be rewarded because we talked about the data-driven performance of ESG being better than a traditional portfolio. Yeah, and it occurs to me that people may be thinking, well, hey, I'm not in the stock market. I don't play with that too much. But I mean, if you have a 401k, which is most people, then you have the opportunity to make some decisions about where where that money is is allocated or where, it, where how you utilize it, right? So, so in a technical answer to that question, 401ks would have to have that allocation to ESG, and, and I've set up 401ks, and very few do. Mm -hmm. uh, but outside of that, in their IRA or their regular investment account, they absolutely should explore that option. Gotcha. And, and there's, you know, what we didn't, we, we talked about ETFs, exchange traded funds, uh, but there's one we didn't even talk about. It's a yield co, right? And so this one ticker symbol is YLCO. It aggregates all these yield uh, paying stocks and companies. And you earn the dividends from that, and, and that's not a recommendation, by the way. But, I mean, that's a way to get income as opposed to, say, buying bonds or so, mm -hmm. which may not be the best risk-reward going forward. And this is a very timely uh, period to have this conversation, gentlemen, because I was just reading that Goldman Sachs was saying that all their private equity clients are kind of preparing for a downturn and looking at ways to protect themselves. And your whole strategy, as I understood it, was how to protect in a down in a downward trend, uh, you know, a, a, a market, right? Yeah. So you were, you had a very specific strategy that is uh, is kind of the history historically it proves out to be a, a winner from what I can tell. Uh, and that's, that's the timing is now for that. So that's also really important for people to be thinking about at this stage of the game. Yep. The rich folks seem to be doing it. You better be doing it too. Right? Yeah. And again, I'll share that with anybody. Just I'll give it there away. You, you know, and, and somebody can see the value of it. But anyways. Okay. Got it. All right. Let's jump over to our news and events. We got a lot to cover today. Uh, Mr. Right. Veracart, what do you say? 
Oh, for right, right away. You said you sent me this um, largest Indian state to pilot blockchain based solar energy trading. So this is another way to make money on your solar. <laughs> They're literally going to be um, setting up an energy marketplace that, that anybody can participate in. So it's peer to peer. Um, what that means is if you have solar on your home and the cloud comes by you can buy energy from somebody else in the network so not not from a utility directly and they, they have this unregulated system in india you're allowed to do this type of stuff um you don't have to buy from the utility you can you can just put it into your your little inverter box and it will buy energy on the market for whatever rate you set and so it'll and of course if i guess the the upside of that is if you set your price too low then you um you don't buy energy. <laughs> maybe, maybe the power in your house goes off. Oh, I don't know how that, that that exactly works. But um, but the, the interesting thing is that they're using this blockchain. So the blockchain, blockchain, as we we did a long time ago, is that the technology behind like things like Bitcoin and stuff. But it's really just a secure open ledger for everybody to file transactions in, and it's really really difficult to fake, right? You can't go in there and just just add transactions after the fact and hide things and hack things. Well, what I remember, um, so, Jay, so, with that, and this is, and it's funny, it just popped in my head what you just said, but this mm -hmm. is from the Fellerman show back a year or so mm -hmm. ago. He was talking about Bitcoin, he was talking about cryptos. And what I understood is that there's a, uh, this, this, this blockchain is, there, there's a, you're, all of that is contained it's like it's it's being uh, copied everywhere at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. So it, right. it's not like it's stored in one central spot. It's stored everywhere as it's updated, right? Is that, is that about right? Yeah, that, so that, that is correct. Everybody has a copy. And so when someone comes in and says, oh, no, this transaction happened five weeks ago, you can say, um, no. And you can compare it with everybody else on the network right. <laughs> to, to, to legitimize it. Amazing. So that's 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 a big deal. Um, I mean, it's it's this is a huge project. Uh, they're talking about... Um, 12,500 megawatts of photovoltaic generation capacity being part of the network. And it's going to be really interesting to see how this shakes out because, I mean, in my mind, this is kind of the way the future really is going to go is where you have an energy resource and you're allowed to buy it, sell it, use it, trade it, um, just like just like any any other resource that you have. Very cool stuff. Jay, can you tell me why there is that picture of the the digital and on the solar system? Does that make sense to you? Because I don't get it. No, that's that's just it's a, a strange image. picture, I have right? No idea. Someone someone Googled <clears throat> bugs in solar and stuff and layered uh, that in. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Let's jump over anyway. to the next one. You want to see uh, the Amazon? Yeah, one? absolutely. Um, actually, I need to talk about um, BP, uh, British oil giant. BP is um, setting a giant company uh, deal with Amazon, which is not so unheard of these days, right? Um, but the interesting thing is that they are now 50-50 um, partners in development with LightSource. Mm -hmm. um, and LightSource, is, they, they actually own, have a significant ownership, and they're increasing ownership all the time. So BP, British oil company, um, is is just heavily, heavily investing in um, renewables. And it's kind of the, the reason why this is interesting is because it ties into a couple different articles. You can really see their plans starting to take shape. Um, last week, uh, Repsol, which is a Spanish oil company, pledged to be net zero by 2050. But the interesting thing about that is that the scope of their net zero isn't their operations. They're not just talking about moving their, their oil around. It includes the burning of their product so yeah. they're good so, so they so they have to be net zero after everybody burned their gas and oil <laughs> that's a that's a pretty amazing uh concept even, even to think of how deep that goes you know yeah so that's that's a really interesting thing. Obviously, the, the years are it's 2050 still, um, but that's that's a huge shift for a major oil company. They need to be generating enough um, renewable stuff to to offset the entirety of their of their stuff and that their their product. And you're going to see kind of like the uh, the renewable energy mandates. You're going to start seeing well, everybody else is doing it. Um, so now BP is going to start taking a look. I think that's the reason why BP is investing so heavily in light source. They, they want that, um, that the, the ability to say that. Um, there's also that um, article that you sent from Dream Tech mm. about light source um, making solar pay at night. And how they did that was they're, they're literally using the inverters on 
large solar farms, even though they're not producing any power, mm -hmm. they can take in power from the grid and do rectification. So they can actually like perform grid services, right? Mm. Aligning that sine wave and helping things. It's helping smooth out that power. I mean, power is dirty. And, and as things come online and go offline, you see spikes and, and troughs and stuff. So they're using the inverters modified in a weird way to actually provide those grid services, even when it's nighttime, which is awesome. So these guys are making huge inroads across mm. all of Europe. They have stuff in Spain and Italy and, of course, the, the, uh, the UK. Um, but just a huge, huge shift in, in kind of where these, these large oil companies uh, are doing business and how they're doing business. And and with with Amazon with a, uh, Amazon Web Services they've got a captive customer so <laughs> of course know. yeah they're, they're they're just sucking in tons of power but we talked a lot about that I mean Facebook Microsoft uh, Apple they all they're all um, inking these deals for uh, PPAs just to pull in huge amounts of power because they run giant data centers you don't understand how large these places really are i mean you think about all the iphones in the world all backing up on icloud and they give you gigabytes of space where does all that space come from <laughs> i'm still getting my trying to get my head around how an inverter is providing reactive power uh without without storage or how they're providing grid service it's, without storage. it's it's not it's it's just i mean there, there's enough little it's called capacitance right mm. um that the capacitance in the inverter is enough to be able to shift the sign it's not it's not storing any real power but it is kicking everything back in line hmm. and that's 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 a big deal so they have like dual purpose those inverters they, i guess that's like maybe some new ip or something right? well it's, it's kind of it's kind of a new idea i've never heard of anybody using an inverter in that way before and like i said that they were they were custom modified so it's kind of a, a little bit of an experiment but it, if if it's something that can be done it absolutely should be done so so it takes that sine wave and kind of clips it at the high and low ends and and cleans the power essentially it clean up clean up the power exactly hmm. very exciting Fun. stuff here well what's going on with musk these days oh everybody likes <laughs> to talk about tesla um musk has been he's always loud on twitter but he's been back on again saying there's the two most critical priorities right now um the last months of 2019 are um to prioritize solar um, and increase the rate of solar deployment. So they're, they're, they're just coming up with their solar roof finally um, in, a, in a form where they believe they can ramp manufacturing and do a lot of installs. And I mean, Solar Cities, basically they killed Solar City, <laughs> if, you want, if you want to see that way. Um, they killed Solar City with their acquisition. They, they closed all the shops. Uh, they repurposed or, or laid off employees. Um, and, and Tesla has been all about the cars. And now they're coming back and saying, well, we finally have a pre he's saying we have we finally have a product that we can be um, comfortable shipping into the world in volume. This and we now roof. need to ramp solar manufacturing. This is the solar roof we're installs. talking about. The solar, I, mean, I, I know he, he didn't specifically say solar roof, but I know that's what he's talking mm -hmm. about. You know, I noticed they keep uh, showing this picture of him back in like his early 20s when he was selling PayPal. That's the, for whatever reason, <laughs> they keep using this picture. It doesn't even look like him anymore. Um, uh, because everybody, yeah, everybody, everybody uses that photo and then they Google Elon Musk and that's the photo that they get on Google. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they're talk amazing. he's talking about refocusing on solar, which is a good thing to hear from, you know, a company with that kind of capacity. Uh, that's exciting. Also, the solar roof, a thousand a week, I want to say, is their goal. Is that was that? That's that their goal for the end of the year. A thousand a week uh, solar roofs. That's pretty exciting. It'd be great to see. I can't wait to see that, actually. I'm genuinely excited. I mean, they've been taking deposits on them for how long? I mean, it's literally long. years. So I, I think they probably have this massive backlog of customers. Generally, Tesla, like Apple, you know, the people that, that they're fan persons. Mm. Um, and and they, they, they have at least for the first few months, the capacity to go out and, and start installing all these. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how it ramps. Okay, if you want a uh, solar roof from Tesla, let's uh, get get you guys in touch with them, and we'll see the first ones get done in Maui. Let's jump over to Maui um, Maui Electric here. We want to talk about the, this, uh, this contested case herring, Jay. Do you want to jump into this real fast? Um, just that this, it's been going on all week. Uh, this is a fight... If a, a consumer um, advocacy, advocacy discussion <laughs> hearing uh, between the, as Josh said, the, the folks that live um, in South Maui, the um, the utility and the developer who was approved in uh, RFP phase one, interjects uh, to kind of figure out how residents can live with solar in their backyard. 
Yeah, so we've had the last you know couple of days. We had this contested case hearing, and uh, there were a lot of parties here uh, making their uh, their point heard. And uh, we did reach out to a number of groups. We're going to hear from Carol M. Bowers uh, from who is Barrow, who is part of this uh, Pono Power Coalition. She's going to come back right after the commercial break. We're also going to hear from Eddie Park, uh, interview with him as well. Uh, but first, we're going to hear the statement that we got from Maui Electric. Brian, you want to you want to go ahead with that? Sure. Uh, so essentially, uh, she starts off. Paihu Solar is a good project that will provide benefits to all of our customers and it will help accelerate the transition from imported fossil fuels to local renewable energy. Throughout this process, Interjects has done extensive community outreach. The developer also listened to concerns about the location of the property by moving it even further than it already was, which was already further than the required setback under county regulations. Maui Electric recognizes siting any kind of energy project on an island is challenging because space is limited. There will always be trade-offs and even more renewable energy projects are coming. If we're serious about taking action on climate change and getting off fossil fuels, we all have to work together to manage the trade-off. There will be no perfect choice. Waiting for the perfect project at the perfect price at the perfect location isn't realistic if we're going to make any significant progress in replacing fossil fuels and meeting our clean energy goals. Thank you, Brian. Very well done. That was uh, Thank you to Shana Decker for uh, giving that to us when we needed it, that, that comment. We are going to, we're talking about a 50,000 panel, roughly, solar system above Maui Meadows, between Kula and Maui Meadows, uh, with a 60 megawatt hour battery pack with full one day uh, arbitrage of energy where you can shift all that energy as needed. Uh, pretty exciting, interesting tech, but uh, contentious uh, points uh, in this case. So let's go to our commercial break. We'll come right back and we'll hear more. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system combined photovoltaic and thermal holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. All right, many thanks to our <clears throat> wonderful sponsors that have kept the Solar Coaster on the tracks for almost three glorious years, 135-ish episodes. Uh, we're really fortunate to have uh, Mrs. Carol Ann Barrow. Did I say that correctly, Carol? Can you hear us okay? Aloha. Aloha. Hello? Well, we may, maybe we'll, we'll have to get a call in uh, after if we can't hear her right now. Let's see if we can get her back on the line, Carol. Oh. Can you hear us now? Yep, Carol Ann, can you hear us okay? Whoop, looks like we lost her. Maybe we'll get her at the tail end of the show. Why don't we do this? Why don't we uh, shift gears and then we'll uh, go right into our interview. We had a chance to sit down with Eddie Park from Interjects, uh, representing the developer uh, of the 15 meg solar farm. So we might, might get the call in here. So we'll be able to hear from him uh, shortly. What do we got? Hello. Aloha. Oh, this there we go. Hi, Carol. Thank you very much for calling in. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Uh, so we were just, uh, we, you know, we we were just talking about the shape the shape of the show here. We're going to get a chance to uh, hear from you, and then I understand that you are kind of at the the beginning of this whole contested course uh, contested case hearing. There's a, you have a story here about what your experience has been. So maybe you could uh, introduce yourself and give us a sense of how all this how this got started. Well, first of all. Thank you, Josh, for having this program and for raising the level of knowledge regarding renewable energy projects because it's all happening so fast sure that it is, leaves yeah. um, uh, you know, the consumers and citizens kind of um, <laughs> uh, trying to catch up constantly. So um, there was a 200-acre solar PV power station proposed for directly behind my home in rural residential Maui. And um, so I learned about it. I met with the proponents. I spoke with the energy company. I learned everything I possibly could about it. And I organized my neighbors. And um, this is the wrong place. Mm -hmm. Right behind a residential neighborhood is not the right place for utility scale 
renewable energy plant. And they would not listen to us. They refused. And they didn't feel like they had to listen to us. So they went ahead and they signed their contract. And the only remedy we had was to hire an attorney. And then we had to um, make a motion for a contested case hearing before the Public Utilities Commission. Mm -hmm. And we did all of that. Um, But through this process, I discovered that there is no true public engagement regarding these huge solar and wind projects and that that harms the community as well as the companies because when people do get organized enough to be able to oppose something, that delays the project and Mm -hmm. it delays them reaching their um, renewable energy goals. So I have a few things that I want to make sure that I say to your listeners. And um, they... um, I'm looking at my notes here. Um, Oh, the consumer advocate during our hearing Mm -hmm. said that the energy companies in Hawaii should stop bringing projects to the Public Utilities Commission with large public opposition and that the PUC should deny this project because the price is too high and that there is a large public opposition. And both the company and the um, proponent, the developer, treats opposition as though it's just uh, a little inconvenience. And the consumer advocate said, no, these are people and their voices need to be heard, and you should all design processes where the citizens are involved at the get-go, not after, you know, you've already accepted the bid. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that can change um, you know, nationally with renewable energy projects to have the community engaged when the site is chosen and say, no, this is not a good place, and listen to us instead of ignoring us and requiring us to then launch these huge efforts. This this contested case hearing took an entire year of preparation mm. and tens and tens of thousands of dollars that we had to invest because the energy companies did not do their due diligence in including us in the decision process. So Hawaii has a very noble goal of 100% renewable energy by 2045. But now there's this huge rush to fill it. And I would say slow down. Include the wisdom of the people who live here. Include us in the planning of this. And also slow down, because just as you know, the the technology is evolving so rapidly in this field that if we build these huge solar power stations or wind stations with the current technology, it's like it's dinosaur thinking because in 10 years there's going to be technology that does much less damage, causes much less greenhouse gas in the production of it than what we're seeing today. So I would say slow down. And... Um, Okay, what else did I want to say? Oh, I also wanted to say that in this particular case, there, for whatever reason, all seven of the proponents for the renewable energy bids that were submitted in December of last year had the same attorney negotiating the bids. Mm. And that the consumer advocate brought this to the Public Utilities Commission attention saying, hey, but they approved all of those bids anyway with a cons- – well, they'd say we don't have any evidence, but there certainly is a concern regarding violations of antitrust laws. So it's only because Pono Power Coalition stuck our foot in the door and say, hey, we really want you to look deeply at this, mm-hmm. that the Public Utilities Commission held a hearing, and we had our economic expert, Professor Sumner Lacroix, give his analysis, and he said there is evidence of collusion. So um, I'm very proud of the Pono Power Coalition for having the consumer advocate recommend denial of this application and that we had an expert say that there is collusion here. Okay, there's a lot there. Thank you so much, Carol, for that. <laughs> Thank that was you for well, listening. well thought out. Um, yeah, and, and I heard the I heard, you know three kind of core points there. One being that the timeline, uh, it would be reasonable to have this discussion about the location and and grab and, and get a hold of the uh, public perception maybe early in that process rather than uh, after it's been awarded. I heard that. That's pretty clear. Yes, because um, this, this delays 
different uh, yeah. projects. Right. And then you talked about technology, evol- the evolution of technology, and you talked about the process uh, and then the concern about the, uh, the attorney uh, issue and about the potential for collusion for pricing. So, OK, uh, that, those are some you know, pretty, pretty substantial issues that, that have been brought up. Guys, what do you think? Any, any feedback or questions for Carol? So, hi, Carol. My name is Brian. And, uh, Aloha, Brian. Hi. When, if they were to come to you and say, well, what if we just put it somewhere else? Would, would that be sufficient? Well, um, now that actually at initially that would have been something that I would have been interested in, but now that I've learned over the last year about renewable energy, I I don't think we should be building these huge solar and wind installations. I think we need to be focusing on virtual power planting and micro and nano grids that we don't need to destroy our landscapes and our farmland in order mm-hmm. to meet these renewable energy goals. We don't need to destroy anything. And it's actually more um, energy secure because with these huge installations during an extreme weather event, for those of mm. you, you who don't live in Hawaii, we are susceptible to and at risk for hurricanes. Well, if a hurricane comes and, and just rips apart a huge solar array, what do we do for electricity? But if our electricity generation is mm. distributed throughout the island, then there's a better chance that we will still have energy even in the event of an extreme weather. Those are some great, great points. And then I, I will say we'll have to wrap this because we want to be able to get through the whole show. But I do want to uh, call, call attention to one of our earlier shows with Kyle Dada, I think one of the founders of the Ulopono Initiative, who had mm-hmm. talked about the grid architecture of uh, Puerto Rico post uh, hurricane, what was that, Maria? There's yeah. so many hurricanes yeah, that, these days. That, that, and that's a r- hyper-redundant grid, uh, ma- similar to what Carol's talking about. There's a combination of uh, utility and commercial and residential, but effectively having redundancy throughout the grid to be able to take the impact of, of, of you know, large, uh, you know, extreme weather uh, events. And then, of course, we had our a show, Jay, uh, with Br- uh, Aldifer, with Brent Aldifer talking about, was it, that was the fellow that was talking about the, uh, uh, or was it was it was that? Oh, I'm sorry. That was Bruce Bruce Levy of, the, of Caribbean and the Virgin Group that was talking yes. about the. Thank you. You're going to correct me, right? I correct myself in time. <laughs> I was talking about methods to make these systems uh, uh, more resilient in the face of extreme weather. And, um, yeah, and and, and those we have guys, a lot to learn. And if we go slower, we can learn from mm-hmm. other communities. But mm-hmm. this rush that Hawaii is going through mm-hmm. is it's it's completely motivated by um, profit from our for-profit energy companies and the publicly created for-profit corporations that want to build here. Okay. That, that's not where the wisest ideas come from. Carol, I want to thank you very much for your time today. We do have to um, uh, wrap this, and we're going to jump over to our interview. Uh, thank you so much, and let's keep in touch, and let's okay. uh, you know continue the dialogue. Thank you. Mahalo. Mahalo. Okay. All right, now we're going to head into an interview with Eddie Park just after the uh, second day of the contested case hearing and uh, hear from the developer side of the conversation. All right, so we're here with Mr. Eddie Park, uh, just concluded two days at the uh, contested case hearing. Did I hear that correctly, Eddie? That's correct. Contested case hearing for the Paihu Solar Project, uh, the one above Maui Meadows, in between uh, Kula and Maui Meadows. And, uh, you know, it's been, as I understand it, about two days, nine to four-ish, uh, you get the PUC, you got the utility, you have uh, the uh, Pono Power Coalition, you have Interjex, you have a whole bunch of lawyers sitting up there in like three rows of suits. <laughs> Eddie, well, how, what was your experience like and wh- what's, your, what's your feeling on this? Uh, just exhausting. You know, it's been two long days of um, lots of testimony, uh, lots of, you know, cross-examination. Um, you know, a bit, you know, at this point, you know, we put out tried to explain all the different um, efforts that we've undertaken, extensive efforts that we've undertaken uh, to work together with the community. Um, we'll continue to work with the community through this process, um, you know, just to move forward uh, as best as possible. Um, at this point, it's really kind of in the commission's hands, and so uh, just really hoping uh, for a, a favorable outcome. Uh, but again, even if there is a favorable out- outcome, we would continue to uh, still work with the community um, on the project. I think there's so many tremendous benefits to the project. Um, you know, there was some discussion over the price. Again, this went through a very competitive um, RFP process that was uh, run by Maui Electric. Um, it had significant oversight by an independent observer. And so, you know, as far as the price goes, um, we believe that it's very competitive, it's reasonable, um, and it just helps 
um, the island of Maui, um, reduce its, uh, um, you know, reduce its reliance on fossil fuels. Um, and so, you know, again, we're, we're hopeful that we can um, really work together um, with, you know, and still work together with uh, the community uh, to garner more support for the project. Uh, we think that, again, there's already widespread support as demonstrated by a lot of the fantastic letters that we've received, you know, both from the Sierra Club, the Ahamokus, um, the different community associations, um, a lot of people in Maui Meadows as well. And so we're really, um, you know, appreciative of the support that we've gotten. We're gonna continue with those efforts um, going through the, the process. Thanks for that. And, um, you know, I find it <clears throat> particularly interesting, I was just saying to you a moment ago, that, um, all right, so if we think about the last 10 or 15 years and of renewable energy deployment and what it's taken to get to this particular point in time uh, where we have an RF, something like an RFP phase one, of which you were an, an awardee, I guess, an award, you know, one of the uh, uh, winners of the RFP, I suppose. And uh, it took, it, it's, been a, it's been a long time coming in getting the, our community to a point where we had the ability to deploy this type of uh, sizable renewable energy system, right? And it was, it was not easy. Right. Uh, if it, it, I, I remember it as an installer going through this year by year over the last decade and um, seeing us hit a point where we had uh, this current percentage of renewables. And then, of course, RFP phase one and RFP phase two, which is just recently the, the, the proposal just recently been submitted, I think, in the last couple of weeks as of this recording. So uh, when I look at this two day uh, contested case hearing, I say to myself, whoa, is there a, a, a new layer, a new level of, uh, of, uh, of um, checks and balances of something that could slow down the process of deploying renewables? You know, for my mind, it's, well, we, we have a technology now, storage is finally there, uh, the pricing is there, we can, we can show a positively significant, we can dominate fossil fuels out here, right? I mean, that's basically the case. And okay, great, so it's gonna work. The policy's there, the utility's there, the technology's there, great. And then boom, we get a whole new layer of, of issues to deal with. I think that's you know the nature of development. You know, there's there's always challenges in the process. And um, no, I agree. It is uh, there are some st substantial new requirements in different ways of I guess procedurally uh, that projects will be done uh, going forward through um, you know some decisions at the Supreme Court level as far as a contested case. And so it's it's it is daunting. Um, and I would say it does um, bring to you know it does caution as to. Um, Will this hinder efforts to um, really reach or help Hawaii reach 100% renewables going forward? Absolutely. Very interesting uh, philosophically, right? Because we have this 100% RPS. We have these milestones. We have these time periods that we have to hit certain percentages. I read uh, that uh, within the next five years, if we are able to deploy all of RFP phase one and phase two, the Maui could be upwards of 80% renewable. I'm not sure if that's consistent with what you you, you understand as well, but um, that's a massive leap from where we're at right now. I think we're around 37% somewhere in that territory. Um, along these lines, it's also you know kind of interesting because um, not only when we think about these potential potential uh, factors that could slow down the deployment of, renew of renewables here and maybe not allow us to meet those those goals. Uh, recently, um, I think it was Jeffrey Ubins of ValueAct sent a letter out uh, to, 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 the, um, to the utility suggesting new leadership was required to expedite uh, the deployment of renewables to get a new level of kind of momentum going. Um, so you have these kind of uh, different forces at play uh, that could really cloud our ability to hit these milestones that, that have been set forth by the governor, really. What, what, what do you think? Do you think we're going to be able to do it as a community? I mean, is it? Are you, are you encouraged? Are you optimistic? Where are you at? You know, just by nature, um, I'm, I'm an opti optimistic person. I think if you're in this uh, in this industry, you you always have to maintain a level of optimism. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, there are some significant challenges, and I think there's going to have to be a lot of discussion over how um, we overcome those. I think it's going to require um, a lot of interaction and and certainly I think the the best thing that can come out of this though is um, it forces everyone to, to be smarter and and to look at different ways of um, approaching issues you know as far as and you know even for ourselves you know, we've been successful 
um, for the last 30 years in developing projects and um, very, very used to going through um, changes in, in political, uh, in the political climate. And so I think you just, it's a, a function of just being able to adapt uh, to the, you know, to the, any new requirements uh, that are thrown in, any wrenches that are thrown into the process. And so I'm, you know, again, uh, I feel optimistic that we will get through that. It may take some time, and I, I do have some concerns, at least in the near future, of how uh, we're going to get through that. Um, but I believe we have a very strong commission, um, and um, I, you know, I'm confident that you know we'll, there there will be a solution to this. I can't say what 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 it will be, um, but I am optimistic. So uh, for, for our listeners here that may not be uh, acquainted with this particular project, can you give us a quick recap of Interjects and the, the Paiute Solar Project and just the basic characteristics? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll just start with Interjects. Uh, Interjects is a Canadian uh, IPP or, or, or independent power producer. Um, we solely do renewable energy projects. Uh, we have, I believe, 68 projects globally um, in the United States, in uh, Canada, in France, in Chile. Um, we have, I think, totaling about 3,500 megawatts. Um, we, you know, we have solar projects, wind projects, uh, hydroelectric projects. Uh, globally, um, we've been around for, I think I mentioned this earlier, about 30 years now. And so um, that's kind of the, the quick spiel on, on, on us. Um, as far as this project goes, uh, it's, uh, again, called Payahu Solar. It's located uh, on Ulapolakwa ranch lands. And, you know, we're... we're fantastic um, partner in the project, you know, landowner to be working with. Um, and really, when we had first wor started working with the ranch, it was, uh, you know, the ranch has a, a fantastic vision. They're already working, they already have a, um, a wind project on ranch lands. And when we had first uh, reached out to, to Sumner, we had discussed, you know, various different energy projects. Um, and this was one project that was identified. Um, there is an existing substation there, uh, the Oahe substation that you know, which, which is fantastic because it minimizes any additional transmission lines being required for interconnecting the project. Uh, the project would be a 15 megawatt solar PV array uh, coupled with a 60 megawatt hour battery. Um, I guess the most uh, exciting thing about the battery component of this project, which is vastly different from previous solar projects and even projects on the mainland, is that the battery is sized to the capacity of the plant, which means you could load shift uh, four hours of the entire output uh, to a different time of when the power is actually needed. And so one of the common complaints that you'll hear or, um, or problems that you'll hear about is that there's at times uh, what they call a, a Nessie curve or when uh, the load is actually lower than what's being generated. And so what this actually would enable you to do is to shift all of the solar output into the evening hours, into you know the morning hours, or in times of emergency, and so I think that's a really fantastic feature. Um, it's not unique to just this project, but the last uh, round of RFP projects, all the projects that were selected actually had a battery that was sized to the capacity of the plant. So I think um, that's really fantastic. We're actually at a point where you could have a battery of that size, and the price is still uh, lower than what the cost of generating uh, that same power from fossil fuels is. So. Let, let me let me jump off of that for a moment. So uh, I find it remarkable that you can take a full day's basically a full day's worth of energy of the capacity of the system and then disperse that or, or position that to whenever it's needed. Right. That's a remarkable technical feat in a sense. Uh, how how long has that been possible? to pencil out where you could do that kind of a thing, have a 15 meg solar system, a 60 megawatt hour uh, battery system that could that could accomplish that goal. Was that possible a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago? No, it's actually fairly recent. And I would say that most of the projects that were uh, paired with a, with a battery energy storage system uh, had a much smaller battery associated with it and was mainly uh, serving different grid functions, uh, ancillary services, frequency regulations, you know, just um, enough to really smooth out uh, the, you know, the, the, the drops in, in uh, generation. And so that, that was probably just about, you know, a few years ago. And it's only recent where you're, uh, and I think this is where Hawaii is actually groundbreaking, is that it's the first place, and I think this is, uh, there were a couple of projects on Kauai where it was first introduced a couple years ago um, or last year where they had projects that were able to do this. And so I think it's a model that's being followed through with uh, throughout all of the islands. And um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, similar to what we saw with solar over the last 10 to 15 years where the prices uh, dropped dramatically, uh, similarly with, with uh, battery energy storage, 
we've come to a point where the, um, the innovation and the reduction, significant cost reductions in the batteries have allowed it to have this type of a project that's actually still lower than uh, what the existing, you know, generating that energy, what we call the avoided cost from fossil fuels would be. So not only do you have, you know, the ability to generate renewable energy and have, you know, these clean energy, it's actually also helping to put downward pressure on prices, reduce uh, the customer, you know, actually have customer bill savings, which is, which is, you know, it's just a uh, double, double, double win all around. Very good. Uh, yeah, when I when I think about this, I you know, and I said earlier to you when we were chatting briefly, it's it, it feels like the technology has arrived, uh, the the utility and the and the policymakers are all kind of ready to go to go to the bat for renewables, and, and you know I mean that's what's being asked for by the RFPs, right? Uh, and so we're here, and now we have this uh, this new uh, public. Uh, concern that really, as a guy that's been in the industry, really wasn't on my map. I kind of thought that, it, hey, people are going to be out there throwing lays on you going, hey, thank you. You know, I mean, I must be really naive. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, but it's an interesting point. Now, um, within the, 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 you mentioned about the contested case hearing, uh, what was your take on this process? You mentioned that it was something that was new. Uh, is there anything you can tell us about, you know, how the utility participated or the PUC participated or anything at all you can kind of tell us about that? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I, I'll admit, I mean, this is uncharted territory for us. Um, I think um, there were a number of developers that were also present. I think everyone's kind of watching this. It's, it is, um, it is a, it's a, a challenge that we're all going to be facing. And so we're all um, kind of learning this at the same time, and certainly. Oh, go ahead. Is this is this the first contested case hearing period, or I mean, is this is, is this the is this the one? You know, I I, I don't know if uh, as as far as like a contested case goes, I don't think it is. But as uh, for a project that was has a signed PPA to go through a contested case like this, my understanding is that um, this may be the first. Um, but yeah, I, I apologize. I'm not familiar with exactly what's been done, but what I am aware of, there is, uh, this is a new process. Um, what was undertaken uh, over the last two days here is something that was new. So um, you had the PUC kind of, it's their, this is their jurisdiction, right? So you had the chair up there, you had the commissioners up there, you had the utility here, you had the, uh, the Pono Power Coalition people here, you had uh, different groups. Uh, what about what did you think about the process? Did you feel like that it was uh, did it did it, 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 it did it did it function well? Did it do the job it needed to do? Yeah, you know, I, I think it uh, went fairly smoothly. Um, I think uh, you know it it was a bit you know it did involve a couple of days, and I, I would say that the the most um, you know the part that was that I see as being a, an issue or a challenge going forward is that the tremendous amount of resources that need to be undertaken. It wasn't just two days of hearings. I mean, this was preceded by approximately six months of uh, information requests going back and forth between the parties, um, the consumer advocate. Um, they have, a, I would say, a, a lot on their hands right now. And certainly the, you know, the resources on their, on their side are going to be constrained, the resources on the utility side, on the, uh, the, uh, the commission side. Uh, it's going to require extensive resources, I think, uh, going forward, and that's the part where I'm I'm kind of scratching my head on how this is going to uh, work going forward. That's a great point. Yeah, I see that. Um, for RFP, this is a RFP phase one project. RFP phase two was uh, a, a multiple in scale over RFP phase one. Uh, so I, I want to say that I heard that there were something like 75 proposals in RFP phase two, or maybe way more than that. Do you, do you have a sense of the scale of RFP phase two? Because uh, it sounds like there's a lot of projects throughout the, well, I guess the four islands, if you thought Molokai, Lanai, Maui, Oahu, and Big Island. Molokai, Maui, Oahu, and Big Island. Five, five islands, right? <laughs> so uh, there, there's a, a, a lot of different projects. Is it possible that these, all these different projects could be subject to similar scrutiny and could it take a really long time to get through these? You know, absolutely. Um, I mean, you'll see different levels of opposition on, on projects or different levels of opposition. Um, certainly, I would, I would say, you know, in my experience, it's really hard to find any project that doesn't have opposition. And so uh, if that's the case, then certainly um, there is a, an ability to have to go through this, this type of process going forward. Um, I do think that uh, 
the round, our, you know, RFP2, I did hear also that there were 75 projects submitted. Um, you know, I think it was spread across actually three different RFPs. And so how many of these are actually, um, you know, the variable dispatchable generation projects similar to Payahu? Um, I don't know. Um, but my guess would be that there were a substantially higher number of projects, more projects that were submitted in RFP2 um, than there were in RFP1. And I think it speaks to the fact that RFP1 was, uh, I would deem it was a very successful, uh, very well-designed RFP process. And so it, it attracted a lot of competition. There were a lot of new developers that have come uh, to develop projects here. And so I, I do believe that they're going to be, it's going to be very competitive, but it also, you know, potentially might yield a large number of projects, which will all, you know, go in front of the PUC and as to whether they, uh, you know, necessitate a, a contested case hearing. I can't speculate as to how many would, um, but it's certainly um, more of an option. Wow. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you for your time sure. and for... Uh, for uh, bringing interjects to the process. And I mean, I think it says a lot uh, that there are these large companies with these capabilities uh, from all around the world that are coming to Hawaii to participate in the RFPs to, to help you know bring Hawaii towards its 100% RPS. So thank you for all the hard work and uh, we'll keep tabs on this as we move forward. Any final words? No, just uh, appreciate the time. And um, no, it's always good to get together with you. Um, but I'm going to head over to Maui Brewing now to grab myself a beer. I think uh, I deserve it. <laughs> I'm just, I, I kid, but no. Th thanks again, Josh. All right. Aloha, Eddie. Thanks so much. All right. There you go. Uh, that was Eddie Park from Interjex. Uh, and, you know, I got to say, we did reach out to the PUC, and, you know, in late notice, in, in all fairness, just, just today, to see if they had any additional comment. And to the consumer advocate, neither uh, had anything addition to, additional to add over what was covered in the news. Uh, what, do you guys, what do you guys think? Hey, what do you say, Jay? Um, I certainly want to get um, Catherine back at some point Carol Ann? Uh, to have Carol the conversation. Ann. I mean, there's a, there's a couple things right away. Um, I do want to say we have to we have to we do have to start moving the ball. Um, the the argument that that new technology is coming. Well, I have a horse and cart, and I see that there's these newfangled automobiles driving down the street. But I was promised a Jetsons flying car, so I'm I'm going to wait for that. <laughs> it, it's it, the the argument doesn't hold up. And if you don't invest in the technology now, then no one is going to make the investments in R&D to progress the technology any further. We saw the same thing with the with the Eater fusion reactor. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Brian? Yeah. I mean, if people didn't step up and buy solar uh, years ago, we wouldn't have... It wouldn't be where it is now. Right. We wouldn't have driven the cost down <laughs> to where it is now to where it is now competitive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I... I and I there are tan tangible benefits. I mean, 11 cents is still a hell of a lot cheaper than 36 cents. I, so, did, I did hear some, some interesting ideas here about uh, perhaps incorporating the community at an earlier level in the RFP process to... as a, Because right now, what it's all about really is land control. That's a beat. I you like know, the, 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 the large developers are out there trying to gain land control, and that means they, they have partnerships with local landowners, and then those are the options and there and those options are limited based on the uh, transmission lines right but it, it may be incorporating earlier on in the process could be a helpful thing although these this process is already up and running and that ship is pretty much sailed in rfp phase two right and, yeah listen to our episode two episodes ago 132 we are jeffrey ubin right value act wrote an investor critical of hawaiian electric and the leadership and if they would have come out and been made more forthcoming or if we would have put this somewhere else it may have advanced their cause better right so. there you go yeah, okay yeah, absolutely all right gentlemen everybody thank you to carol ann and thank you to eddie and to brian thomas and jason verkart uh and everyone here at koi studios for a uh, a cool show on uh, how we're going to hit this 100 percent rps and uh some of the cool systems that are about get, to be deployed involved. that's the message all right folks have a wonderful uh, weekend and aloha friday